Kyle Seeger is no longer in Seattle, but the Mariners infield got better this offseason. How much so? We'll tell you that in our infield preview, plus a look at the trade markets for Frankie Montes and Brian Reynolds, as well as the continuation of Flag Week here on Locked On Mariners. Let's do it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, March 31st, 2022, and this is Locked On Mariners. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. I am your host, Titan Gonzalez, joined as always by my co-host, Colby Patnode. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners, and you can follow me at Dan Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon, where we talk about the Mariners even more, and also get into some non-baseball talk twice a week. Visit patreon.com forward slash control the zone for more information on that if you are interested and want more of us and if this is your first time joining us here welcome to the show if you like what you hear give us a follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this we're also now on youtube so if you're watching this hit the subscribe button turn on the notification bell and tell your friends most importantly we'd greatly appreciate it see colby's got it uh before we get into our first it's somewhere it's some it's somewhere I'm like not sure how the mirroring works so it's like yeah I, i'm it's somewhere so down confused. in this area it's it's somewhere below our our dumb faces so before we get into our uh, first topic of the day we're doing a giveaway we started a giveaway on twitter that's the only place that you can go to enter we are giving away two main level tickets to the mariners home game against the astros on sunday april 17th we are uh, the two tickets are in section 126, row 33. So pretty great seats if you're looking to uh, have a nice view for one of the Mariners' first home games of the year. What you have to do, and there's going to be a link to where you can go for this in the description of this episode, whether you're listening to it on Spotify or watching us on YouTube or or what have you. You have to first. You can buy. By the way, if you're watching us on YouTube right now, you can knock this part out right now. You have to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Post it, take a screenshot, post the screenshot in a reply to our giveaway tweet on Twitter. That's what's going to be linked in the description below. And you also have to follow me. You have to follow Colby. You have to follow our Locked On Mariners account. And you have to retweet the giveaway tweet. I know it's a lot to do, but it's a great prize. It's well worth it. So be sure to do that. Be sure to click the link. Check it all out. Entries will end on April 10th, the the night of April 10th, one week before the game, and the winner will be randomly selected and announced on the April 11th episode of Locked On Mariners, and then the tickets will be transferred to the winner via Ticketmaster. So, again, be sure to check that all out and score yourself a couple of tickets to uh, go see the M's, play the Astros. So, with that out of the way, let's preview the infield. The Mariners obviously lost Kyle Seeger after declining his option, then he eventually retired. They are effectively replacing him with Eugenio Suarez, who was who comes over as part of the Jesse Winker trade with the Reds. They also got Adam Frazier in a deal with the Padres before the lockout. And they're getting a full season of Ty France at first base. And of course, they have a gold glove caliber shortstop and JP Crawford Colby. How are you feeling about the Mariners infield heading into 2022? Um, a lot better than the outfield. Uh, it's, it's interesting. You know, the outfield certainly has more upside, but the infield has, you know, five guys in it that I feel pretty confident. I know what their, 
what their floor is and what their ceiling is. Um, you know, it, it starts with, with JP Crawford at shortstop, uh, you know, gold glove caliber shortstop. He's going to hit for a pretty good average, get on base a good amount, but not much power. Um, he just, he's just going to post a three win season and we're all going to be okay with that. Um, you know, Adam Frazier was an all-star last year. He's also going to hit for a very high average, make a ton of contact, uh, line drives all over the place. Um, it's just, it's, it's the floor. There's so much floor here. Uh, it would be shocking if the reason the Mariners didn't make the playoffs or if the reason they, they didn't live up to expectations was because the infield underperformed, that would be, that would be pretty surprising. Um, mm-hmm. Ty France is just going to hit. We know that. Uh, the one, the one thing about the infield is it is lacking a little bit of power, and that's that's why A. Eugenio Suarez is so important mm-hmm. at third base. He's got to provide some thump. You have to have it come from somewhere. Um, and right now, for the Mariners, they're banking on it coming from Suarez and the outfield, um, and that that works just fine so long as Suarez isn't hitting, you know, a buck seventy five with mm-hmm. two ninety on base percentages. Although that's not too far off of what Seager did last year, so. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, there's plenty there and then there's actually some pretty good depth. Uh, it's, it's shallow. So I guess it's not mm. really depth, but like Adam Frazier can play across the entire infield. Abraham Toro can play first, second, and third. Uh, Dylan mm. Moore is going to be in the organization. He can play all around there. Um, Ty France could play second and third if you really needed him to in a pinch. Um, and they should just never let Suarez play shortstop. <laughs> I, I, I think I'd rather yeah. have Jared Kelnick play shortstop than a Eugenio Suarez. So. Yeah, I think we established that yesterday, right? Like Suarez, uh, it's not often that you see guys going from third base to shortstop. And uh, like I said, there's a reason yesterday. It, yeah, like I said yesterday, it did not go well whatsoever. So. Look, we got a plus defender at shortstop uh, at shortstop in JP Crawford. We got a plus defender at second base in Adam Frazier. Ty France graded out above average at, at first base. Should have probably gotten some gold glove votes more than he did. Um, and then Suarez is fringe average, I would say, maybe average yeah. at third base. So uh defensively, they're gonna be pretty solid. How do you think this all, uh, you know, comes out offensively? Though you talked about the power, but for just the rest of the offensive profiles, particularly JP Crawford, who, you know, finally figured some stuff out at the plate last year. Yeah, I don't know how much there's left uh, for JP Crawford to get to uh, mm-hmm. in terms of hit tool and power. Um, it's just it's it's average bat speed. It has been since the day he got here. Um, there's just not a lot of of natural power there. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he's not he's not big or strong. Uh, he doesn't have a quick bat, so there's just not a ton there for power wise. So I think nine to maybe fifteen, if he really leans into it this year, that's probably the max there. And also, you know, the swing, as I said, it, it's it doesn't have great, you know, it doesn't he doesn't have great swing velocity. So um, it's just hard to imagine where more hits are going to come from. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I think what you see is what you get with JP. Um, you know, that doesn't mean he won't have a little bit of a lucky. Uh, the ball might bounce a little bit lucky for him once or twice. And he ends up hitting above about 270, which I think is is a fair expectation between 255 and 270. Um, and I think he's going to walk 10, 11 percent of the time. So he's probably going to post. I would I would say I would expect 263, 40, 375 as a triple slash, something in that range, with the mm-hmm. plus defense and shortstop. And then on top of that, you got Frazier, who had a down year uh, in 2020, but came back. 
was really good, especially particularly when he was with the Pirates. Struggled a little bit in his time with the Padres uh, around the trade deadline uh, after after he went over there. Uh, but he still hit over 300. Still got on base at a 368 clip uh, and even slugged over 400 last year. So how do you feel about Frazier offensively moving into 2022? Yeah, Frazier is probably the the best hitter in the Mariners lineup that nobody talks about. Um, yeah. You know, Winker gets all the hype and it, it's rightfully so. And, and Ty France was really good last year. And Mitch and even a, a non-traditional Mitch Haniger year where he's mostly hitting for a ton of power. Uh, Luis Torrens, those guys are getting a lot of, a lot of love, uh, and obviously Julio. Um, but mm-hmm. honestly, if you're just looking at raw hit tool, uh, Frazier is probably second on the team behind Winker. So uh, I would expect him to hit between you know 275 and 300 somewhere in that mm-hmm. range. I think he's going to get on base 35, 36, 37 percent of the time, and I think I think he's going to hit a few more doubles. I think he's going to probably. I, I feel pretty comfortable saying he's going to slug over 400. Um, and, you know, in the first half with Pittsburgh, he slugged like 467. So it's it's mostly doubles. But, uh, yeah, there, there's mm-hmm. a little more pop there. So I, I think something in the, let's just say, 280, 350, 400 range, I think is, is a reasonable expectation. And then uh, France, what do you think about France? Maybe adding some more pop to the lineup than he has in the past. Do you think that's possible? Yeah. Uh, the thing about France's swing is that there are a lot of moving parts to it, but mm-hmm. it works. Um, you know, it, it's not, I, it never looks to me like exceptional bat speed, but it is exceptional bat to ball skills, which is really important. When, again, when you have that kind of long moving swing, um, you need those plus bat to ball skills and he has it. So, um, France, I, I think I feel like what he did last year is basically real. And if you take out that month of April or May when he was dealing with the wrist injury, um, he hit over 300 the rest of the year. So I, I think it's it's totally possible he does that. Uh, in terms of expectation, I would probably expect somewhere in the in the 280, 340, 450 range. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I wouldn't be shocked at all if he, if he slugs you know 25, 28 home runs. And that slugging percentage starts to push over uh, around 500. Yeah. And then with Suarez, I mean, I planted my flag on him yesterday and yesterday's show. I, I, I think there's a lot of upside there for him to bounce back. Toro, you're getting a full season of him and he just keeps on hitting in the spring. Uh, and he looks like an above average glove at third base. That's really exciting. He got better at second base last year as the year went along. Still had some issues there, you know, at times, but and then, you know, Delamore, I mean, is at least pretty good defensively. I, I, I know how you feel about him offensively. I also have my uh, my concerns about him offensively, particularly with the uh, the end zone contact rate and stuff like that. He's well below average in that uh, sense. And, and it kind of feels, though, that if he got a bit more aggressive at the plate, he, he would have more success offensively. Uh, instead of you know constantly putting himself in disadvantageous situations where he's working his way back from you know down o two one two all the time, like it just feels like that's a constant for Dylan Moore. So I feel like there is some potential there for Moore, and he like Toro and like Frazier is also having a pretty good spring. So maybe he builds off of that um, and, and is at least you know he's not going to play as much as he has over the last couple of years just because Toro is here now and, and Frazier is here now and they have Suarez 
Um, and obviously the outfield right now is going to be trying to turn out, you know, Rodriguez and, and Winker and Haniger and those guys and Kelnick, of course. So there aren't going to be a ton of opportunities for Demo, but I I think when he um, when he does get those opportunities, that's that's kind of a guy to watch there because you, you never know. There's certainly potential both in the bat, especially from a power standpoint, mm-hmm. and uh, and then defensively. You know, we'll see if maybe he's a late game defensive substitution. He's also your best base runner right now. Uh, in terms of at least stolen base potential, I would say. Yeah. Uh, he led the team in, in stolen bases last year. So, yeah, he's a he's a good pinch running candidate, late game substitution type of guy. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Moore ends up playing three, four, maybe even five times a week just in terms of not starting, but coming in as a, a late game substitution. Sure. As long as he doesn't have more than four or five, six at bats a week. Um, sure. That's, that's totally fine. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, bat speed for days for Dylan Moore. Plenty of raw power there. Um, there's, you know, his ceiling is 2020 uh, home runs and stolen bases with above average defense at second base and probably yeah. fringe average defense in a corner outfield spot. Like mm-hmm. it's there. It's just we've only seen it for about 30 days of his now three year Mariner career. So. Mm-hmm. Don't really want to wait around for that, uh, and the Mariners won't because, like you said, they added Frazier. They have Toro. Um, Dillamore is going to have to earn every at-bat that uh, Mm -hmm. he's going to get this year, which is right where you want him. All right, so we're going to be talking about the busy, maybe, trade markets of Frankie Montes and Brian Reynolds. Seems like some things are starting to heat up a little bit on those fronts. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Lockdown Mariners is brought to you by Bet Online. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's national champion this coming week. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info from all the latest odds, contests, and player props. You name it, BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. And just a reminder to check out Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts, just like us. So Colby, Brian Reynolds, Frankie Montas, we talked about them ad nauseum during the lockout with Fan Fiction Friday, Mailbag Monday, all that stuff. We made a rule that we weren't going to talk about Brian Reynolds for for a time, but we've let that cool off a little bit. We've let the dust settle a little bit. It's been about a month since we last talked about Reynolds, and it does seem like maybe his market is heating up a little bit. So tell our final listener here. What's going on with Reynolds's market? And then we'll get into Frankie Montes a little bit later on. Yeah, just a lot of vagueness surrounding Reynolds right now. Uh, there was a report, I believe it was from Rosenthal this morning, uh, mm-hmm. that said that the Padres had had asked about him. And there were a few names thrown around. Um, Ryan Weathers, uh, some young pitching, uh, perhaps to Nelson Lamette, somebody like that. Um, so, yeah, it's just nothing, nothing imminent. And then, of course, you know, a few hours later, there was a report that, hey, Ryan Reynolds isn't even out on the field with the Pirates right now, taking batting practice with the starters. Um, and so that fueled more speculation. And then, of course, he played in the in the game today. 
and he had a home run in his first at bat. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, just kind of a, a weird day there, but yeah, Reynolds gets reintroduced again. Um, Mariner fans are of course going to be interested because we know that the Mariners were interested in Brian Reynolds, both last season, uh, last July and before the lockout. So naturally Mariner fans are going to, uh, that's going to pique Mariner fans interest. Um, but yeah, basically it sounds like, you know, based on what I'm reading, I don't have any inside Intel here that Reynolds is probably going to start the year on the pirates. Um, it sounds like the Marlins have been the most aggressive so far. Uh, the Padres certainly have uh, the young pitching that uh, it appears the Pirates are, are coveting um, for for Reynolds and and you know, a huge other... need, by the way, in, in the outfield. <laughs> huge, yes. huge need for an actual real outfielder mm-hmm. instead of a first base DH type. I've said it again. I, I'm pretty sure that that Jack Zarenzik is shadowing for AJ Prelate <laughs> right now in San Diego with all those first base DH types they got going on there. It sure seems like it. Um, and, you know, there was also a report yesterday, by the way, that the Padres are willing to trade from their pitching slash catching surplus. So, you know, we know that uh, Miami has been looking for for catching. Uh, the Mariners are certainly looking for pitching. Uh, we know that the Mariners talked to the Padres recently. Um, we don't know really any other details besides that. So it's just the Reynolds thing is just, it's just a rumor that's kicked back up again. I don't think anything's imminent, but Mm -hmm. uh, it it was something that came up and it's something that Mariner fans were at least based on our fan fiction Fridays, they were fascinated with that idea. So uh, (laughs) naturally it, it, it sparked a conversation on Mariners Twitter this morning. So last time we talked about Reynolds on this show, the Mariners didn't have Jesse Winker. So how does it, how does that impact things? For you if at all because winker of course is is probably more of a dh type they've given him a first base glove as well perry hill's been working with him over there so uh, there isn't a ton of uh hope there and i don't feel like he really blocks anyone in the outfield but does that change your feelings about brian reynolds no um if anything it makes my desire to acquire him stronger um mm. because again Winker is is the bat, right, that they've added. He is not a glove. We know that. Um, mm-hmm. And adding Winker or adding Reynolds to the outfield, all of a sudden, if your lineup can go in whatever order you want, right, if, if the two through five or whatever, whatever however yeah. you want to, it's Reynolds, Winker, Hanager, France, Suarez, you know, that that's your that's the meat of your order that's an order that's going to make Houston Nationals fans extremely nervous Um, because at that point we're no longer talking about, you know, Hey, can they sneak into a wild card? Now it's, Hey, could they possibly win the American league West? Um, The Winker trade got them closer to that. And I I don't know if a Reynolds trade gets them over that hump, um, especially since we don't even know what the cost is of this fictional hypothetical. Um, But it's certainly, again, if if you're rolling with Frazier, France, Reynolds, Winker, Hanager as your top five. You're going to score quite a few runs. Um, yeah. And hey, on the plus sure. side, your outfield defense will be a lot better. So, yeah, it actually makes more sense to me now to go get Reynolds. Um, and it always made a lot of sense. So. So obviously they're in the market for catching and maybe or, or pitching. It seems like pitching is is really the focus here. The Mariners, I mean. They have that to trade from, but 
it, it, it would kind of mess up their 2022 plans as well. I mean, maybe if they're able to also get Frankie Montes, that would help or, or someone like that, that would maybe push them over the hump to, to maybe part ways with a Matt Brash or a George Kirby in, in a deal for Brian Reynolds. But they also have another trade chip here that I don't think we're talking about a lot. And I didn't really see him mentioned in a lot of the fan fiction Friday trades we had for Reynolds. That's Jared Kelnick, who, I mean, if we're being real here, you're kind of hoping that Jared Kelnick develops into Brian Reynolds, right? So would I mean, he have I, would he have even, appeal to the Pirates in that sense? Probably. Um, it really does feel like the Pirates are, are desperate for pitching, and they would prefer to be very close to the majors. Yeah. Uh, the names we've heard thrown around with the Mariner or thrown around with Reynolds, uh, we've heard Max Meyer. You know, we've heard Emerson Hancock pre-injury. Yep. So, um, you know, we've heard guys who are high floor with some ceiling starters who are within a year of the big leagues. Max Meyer probably ready right now. No surprise there. A lot of us saw that coming. Um, but, uh, but uh, you yeah. always got to pat yourself on the back. Every episode. It's your new Jonathan VR thing. You, gotta, you just got to check it off. Did I or did I not nail Max Meyer's profile? I mean, Nailed hey, I'll, I'll give it. it. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Nailed I'll give it, it to you. I'll give it. Said to he you. was better than Hancock and everything. I was right. Anyways, um, so yeah, it sounds like they want young pitching. The Mariners really can't offer that without hurting their roster. I mean, they have Kirby, they have Brash, but one of those guys is going to be in your rotation uh, to start yeah. the year, and and you're kind of counting on both of them to give you starters innings this year. So unless you're also getting like a Brew Baker back or somebody like that. You're probably not trading Brash or Kirby. You're definitely not trading Gilbert. Um, so, yeah, you kind of start to run down the gamut. You say, well, I mean, can Kelnick be the piece? And then, like, we know you guys like Hancock. If we give you Kelnick and, and Hancock, is that enough? Um, mm-hmm. And I think it probably would be for Pittsburgh, but it does appear Pittsburgh is, is dead set on getting that that potential, you know, top of the rotation arm uh, for right. Reynolds. And the Mariners just don't have – that to offer where it would make sense for them to give it up. If that, you know, if that makes sense. Right. So would Frankie Montes change that for you? I mean, obviously you're going to have to give up something for, for Montes as well. That's going to be pretty nice. Something that you could potentially use in a Brian Reynolds trade. And you don't want to completely just deplete your farm system here in in one go. So you don't want to, so it seems like, you know, it it would be, I don't want to say there's a 0% chance that they could get Montes and Reynolds, but because they could do it, you know, it, it is technically possible, but that just seems like a huge, massive stretch for this team right now to invest a lot of their resources into those two guys on top of what they already gave up for Winker and Suarez. So, but talking about Montes here, if they did get Montes, which I mean, there's that weird account that said that they're apparently the front runners, and then you know Rosenthal yesterday said the Mariners feel that they have the best offer for Montes. Would that change things for you in terms of maybe parting with Brash or Kirby or someone like that in a Brian Reynolds trade? Well, I I don't think the Mariners should do both. Um, right. Because I get like yes, the Mariners have a good farm system, and yes, they could trade a Kelnick and they could trade a uh, a Brash or a Kirby, and still have a pretty good farm system. And and the goal is to win major league games, so right, not necessarily opposed to it. 
but you do have to be careful that you, you know, you kind of empty the box now and then you get to July and it's like, well, now we have to overpay because we don't have our depth. So right. it, it's one of those things where you kind of have to walk a fine line. Um, you know, and, and what you acquire in Mo- with Montes is, is what it takes to acquire him is, is going to probably directly correlate to what you can give up for Reynolds. So, I mean, if you could get Montes for like Adam Mako and, and Zach Deloach, a, that deal probably would have already happened, but B, fine. Then, then yeah, you can still trade Kelnick and, and Hancock for, for Reynolds and be fine with that. But Montes is probably, I, I'm going to guess Hancock is in that trade. Mm-hmm. Um, that this fictional trade, uh, this fictional offer we don't know about. But we should point out that we had heard that the asking price on Montes was debilitating, I guess is the right word. Like it was, right. it was beyond. It was a, yeah, it was a lot for someone of Montes' stature. And plus, by the way, there are some concerns about how Montes will, how his game will translate to a different ball, ballpark. Obviously, he's been pitching in a, in a very big, Oakland Coliseum, you know, how is that going to translate to going to T-Mobile Park where the, the fences were recently brought in, you know, a few years ago and all that stuff. There's uh, There's been an uptick in home runs at T-Mobile Park. How is that going to translate? There are concerns about that. And then uh, there's obviously the caveat of him only being under club control for two years. So right. you got to take all these things into account. So let's start getting into our flag players uh, for today's episode. We've been doing flag week. For those that are maybe joining us just now and haven't listened to our last three episodes, could you quickly explain what Flag Week is? Sure. Basically, Ty and I are picking five players each um, who we just really like. Uh, it's not necessarily that we like them more than the average person. It's not necessarily that we are expecting them to do better than most people are expecting them. These are just guys that mm-hmm. we really like and we think, think are going to have uh, you know, really good seasons. And maybe some of that is, Hey, we, we, we think maybe you're overlooking this guy, or maybe some of it is just, I really like this player. I can't watch. I can't wait to watch him play. So we're just, we're just planting our flag in these guys, staking our claim um, as being on the bandwagon, essentially. Sure. All right. So you had first pick yesterday. You went with Logan Gilbert. You went with Luis Torrens and Abraham Toro before that. I picked Eugenio Suarez and Jared Kelnick. Okay, yeah, so now I remember. So I lied earlier. I said Eugenio Suarez was my pick yesterday. I totally forgot. I picked Jared Kelnick yesterday. Eugenio Suarez was my Tuesday pick. And I also picked Matt Brash on Monday. Uh, my my days have been all mixed up here. <laughs> so so uh, today, I'm going with a guy that we talked about earlier in the show. And someone that I had been vying for pounding the table for the Mariners over the last couple of years. And they finally got him this offseason, Adam Frazier. I wanted him a couple of years ago for the Mariners. I wrote an article back when we wrote at Soto Mojo about the Mariners getting him. I, I really thought he was a great fit for the Mariners, still do. And I'm incredibly excited that he's now in Seattle. Again, we're talking about a guy that went off a year where he slashed 305, 368. 411 and that's accounting for a pretty down second half for him once he went to San Diego. He was about average ish when he went to San Diego. Definitely not the all-star caliber player he was in the first half of the season. I I don't have delusions necessarily of him getting back to all-star caliber in Seattle. I don't necessarily think that's who he is, but I also don't think that he's just kind of a replacement level player either, which is kind of what he was 
in 2020 and 2019 as well. You know, he was kind of a slightly below average hitter in those years. Obviously an elite defender at second base. He's also at least average in left field, maybe slightly above average in left field. You could probably swing it at third base. Hasn't played there a ton, but I think he could handle it. But again, we're talking about a guy that is the ideal leadoff hitter for this team. I think, I mean, I'm obviously of the belief that you should just put your best hitter in the leadoff spot. That would be Jesse Winker, followed by Mitch Hanniger and Ty France. But look, the Mariners aren't going to do that. They had J.P. Crawford doing that all of last year. I think Frazier is a better fit for it than Crawford. He's also a more traditional uh, leadoff guy. He can get on base a ton at a at an above average clip. I don't think he's going to hit for 300 plus this year, but I still think that he's going to give you 270, 280, maybe even 290 this year with above average on base skills and hit for a lot of doubles and maybe you know sneak into a couple of home runs here and there. But yeah, I, I I'm very high on Frazier. I think he's going to be a Gold Glove candidate at second base for this team. Plus, you know, with the way that the roster is currently constructed. He's probably going to be staying there most of the time at second base. So keep him at his natural spot. He's going to be incredible there. You already know that. And him with J.P. Crawford in the middle of your infield, that is so awesome. That might be one of the best midfield tandems in all of baseball. If not, I mean, it, it's probably top five, right? Uh, Defensively, yeah. 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 So who's your guy? You pick Gilbert. You pick Toro. You pick Terenz. Who's your fourth guy on this list? Yes, I am going to go with Marco Gonzalez. Um, yes, I know we all love Marco, right? That's, I thought about going with Marco yesterday after yes, watching him I, in Chicago. Yeah, I know. I know we all love Marco, um, but I feel like there's a lot of people who are kind of treating Marco like he's like a low end number four now, uh, based on what happened last year. We can kind of go off of what what did happen last year. You know, obviously injuries for the first time in in the years, um, birth of his daughter, a whole bunch of stuff was going down. There was a lot of uh, dissension in that in that clubhouse. Um, there was a lot of uh, you know there were it was a house divided. And Marco, um, you know, he struggled through some of that. So I, I think this year the the clubhouse is a little more cohesive. I think that Marco is healthier. Uh, it appears that he's he's made some changes to some pitch grips and stuff, and, and we've seen some of that stuff already play here in Arizona. He's been pretty good in his first two outings, was uh, a bit unlucky, and then it did get away from him a little bit there uh, in his in his last outing against the Cubs. So, um, But I just feel like, you know, I, I, I don't know that we're ever going to see 2020, uh, yeah, 2020 Marco again, where the guy was, you know, basically on pace to be a five-win, six-win pitcher. But I think Marco's going to get pushed back up to that three and a half, four win status. Um, it, it's conceivable the Mariners have four starting or three starting pitchers with uh, four WAR or higher, uh, with Robbie mm-hmm. Ray, Logan Gilbert, and Marco. Not saying I expect mm-hmm. it, but I, I think Marco's going to push back up into that mid three range, um, mm-hmm. and I think he's going to look like the true number three uh, that he actually is. So I think big bounce back here coming for Marco Gonzalez. I love that pick. It's a great pick. Uh, like I said. Yeah, of course, of course, you know, just gotta, there you go right there. Yep. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm very high on Marco as well this year. Um, you talk about, you know, all the things that happened to him last year with the injury, birth of his daughter, everything like that. He just, you know, it, it was a lot of stuff that he was having to deal with. Um, and I think, you know, this year getting back to normal, 
first kind of normal season for him in a couple of years now. You know, you talk about 2020 being, you know, more or less a lost season for everyone. Uh, and he was great that year still, despite all the uh, things going on. And uh, despite what Kevin Mathers says, I don't find Marco Gonzalez very boring. I actually think he's a very fun pitcher to watch. And uh, it seems like he's going to be number three in the rotation right now, the way that they're uh, they're doing things. Uh, it looks like it's going to be Robbie Ray, number one, Logan Gilbert, number two. Marco number three, uh, Fluxen number four, and then um, and then Brash number five. So uh, yeah, going going righty or they're going lefty righty lefty righty righty uh, in the uh, in the rotation. It's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think this year, I said this on a couple of shows ago. I, I just think that now that Marco or now with the arrival of Robbie Ray and with Logan Gilbert hopefully taking another step, Marco's more in line with what his value truly is. He's not a number one. He's not a number two. But he's probably a number three, maybe a number four. He's a really good number four. So maybe yeah. he's he's a light number three sure. when he's on when he's on. Last year he was probably a four. Yeah, so. yeah, at his best for the most yeah. part. Yeah, he was he was mostly a number four. But I think this is more like I said, this is more in line with with what I think is is truly Marco Gonzalez's value, and that's indicative of the work that the Mariners have been able to do here in the rotation, and it's starting to form together and look more like an actual competent Major League rotation, one that can contend and one that can go toe-to-toe with the best of them, and we know that Marco can go toe-to-toe with the best of them on any given night. So uh, it's going to be exciting to see if he's able to bounce back. It's going to be exciting to see uh, how Adam Frazier fits into the mix. And that is going to do it for our show today. Again, be sure to enter our giveaway. Get a couple of main level tickets to go see the Mariners play the Astros for the first home series of the year. Again, link for that, for the tweet that you got to retweet and all that stuff. And again, you got to subscribe to this YouTube channel. So if you're watching right now and you haven't done it, do it do it it's below our faces i don't know it's somewhere it's somewhere it's somewhere some somewhere so do that hit the link retweet follow us on twitter all that good stuff and you'll be entered for a chance to go see the mariners for the first home series against the astros it'll be a lot of fun those are great seats I'm pretty surprised by the deal that I was able to get when I bought them last night. So uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of fun for whoever wins those. Uh, yeah. So be sure to enter and uh, don't miss out on your shot to do that. But do it right away. Get in early. That's going to do it for our show. Like I said, thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On Mariners. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidying Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dan Gonzalez. It's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. Now, make your second listen of the day, Locked On MLB. That's where Paul Francis Sullivan and please call him Sully brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues president pass. It's free wherever you get your podcasts, just like us. So have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we will see you on Friday. Peace.